This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I went to this thing without my wife, so then I'm always a little bit nervous because then I tend to forget things. You know, when my wife isn't with me, I tend to leave stuff lying around. And, and uh, so it was as well. Get to the car, can't find my phone. And so look everywhere, go back into the building. Her phone is gone. Then discover you know, somebody else's phone was, was taken as well. So somewhere between all of those passionate people, you know, somebody zapped my phone. And I was like, oh. Just like it. That's not, that's not nice. And then afterwards we heard, no, but there were a lot of other people who came through there. There was, there was a voter registration thing that went on there as well. And so, you know, somewhere my phone, my phone got stolen. But, um, now I believe it's upgrade time. You know, it's upgrade time. So my phone was stolen, but it's opportunity for the Lord to, to come through for me. And, um, so now I'm checking out, you know, phone specs and, and everything else. And, um, and now I'm discovering that if you want to really be with it, then, you know, there are sort of two things. Obviously, there are a lot of things your phone needs to have. But, but nowadays, the modern phone, it definitely has to be waterproof, eh? You've got to have a phone that's waterproof. And then your phone definitely has to have at least two selfie cameras. Not just one anymore, but two selfie cameras. Then you're really cutting edge. You know, so I'm looking at a few of those, few of those, those options. And so I was thinking about this, you know, what does the world come to? That um, we are basing our opinion and the value that we attach to these little things we carry around with us all the time based upon, you know, the quality of the camera that faces backwards, that looks at you, you know, and, 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 and the manufacturers are competing with one another now to see who can produce the best phone with the best selfie camera out there. And um, I... I read something very interesting yesterday, and that is that there was this guy up in the Taj Mahal who, whilst on top of this, this thing with his, his friend, wanted to take a selfie, fell backwards, and unfortunately lost his life. And then I started to get a little bit curious. I wonder how often that has happened. I mean, people actually die from taking selfies. We'll get there now. Let me just, let me just read this for you. You can, you can think about this. Right, so, this, so the title of my sermon Tonight is selfie time, all right? Selfie time. Yeah, there's this article. The world, it seems, is much vainer than we could possibly have imagined. There were more than 24 billion selfies that were posted on Google service last year, 2017. 24 billion. Let that sink in, right? 24 billion selfies that were posted on Google service last year. It is said more than 200 million people upload images to the application each month who are responsible for an extraordinary 24 billion of those selfies. Here's the thing. Selfie takers normally think other people's selfies are rather selfish. But rate their own selfies very highly. <laughs> they look at other people taking selfies. Oh, that guy's vain. But, you know, hey, this is a nice selfie. Yeah? And it isn't weird how, how more connected we become, the more disconnected we become. The more we, we, we live in this, in this digital world, the, the more we get out of touch with reality, what is really real. And moments like this, being in the, in the presence of the Lord, this is real. 
This is where you know things make sense. This is where the old song says, the things of the, the earth become strangely dim. Things start fading away when you're in the presence of the Lord, doesn't it? You begin to see things clearly. You begin to look at that relationship, and all of a sudden, you know what God is saying to you here in his presence. It's crystal clear that, no, you shouldn't go back there. You know when, you, when you, you're struggling with faith, whether you're going to make it through this year or, or whether God's purpose for your life is going to come to pass. Here in God's presence, you just have this peace. You know it's going to happen. This is reality. And I want to, I want to thank just the band for ushering us into God's presence, ushering us into, into the reality of who God, who God is and what His purpose is for our lives. And then I want to thank the leadership of this church, Pastor Sias and, and uh, Louise, for, for, for stewarding the presence of God. You know, because the presence of God is the ultimate reality. And this congregation through the years have, have, have made some quality commitments that we will not compromise on the presence of God. We will do whatever we need to do to connect with God. And that is so precious and it's rare. I don't, I don't know whether you guys understand and whether you know how rare it is to have this atmosphere. How rare it is to have this open atmosphere in the presence of the Lord. And I want to encourage you to keep on tapping into that presence of God. Because you are confronted with, with alternative realities wherever you go. You are confronted with the Facebook reality or the Instagram reality or your hostel reality or your workplace reality. And you constantly have to decide under which one will I submit? Which one will determine me? Which one will, will shape me and mold me? The presence of God and the word of God or the other stuff I'm being confronted with. And here's the, my challenge for us as we go into this, into this time. It, this article continues to say the average millennial, of which most of you guys are part of, will take 25,700 selfies in their lifetime. <laughs> 25,700 selfies in their lifetime. It is claimed that females, ladies aged between 16 and 25, which include quite a lot of you, it is claimed, I didn't say this as an article, right? right? But it is claimed that they spend about five hours taking selfies per week. Now, I know if they were to take a sample in this building, it would bring that average down. I mean, you are not like that, right? You are not part of those five hours. You are not, I, I, I would think at most probably 15 minutes, maybe, all right? Maybe five minutes even, all right? So you're not part of that. But the whole big portion of the world out there, the people in, in Singapore, right? They, those ladies, they spend about five hours per week taking selfies. And on average, 93 million selfies are taken worldwide each day. 93 million. So do you think that the world in general is spending time in the presence of God or spending time in some other reality? And do you think that maybe in church, that even though we mightn't spend five hours taking selfies, that if we were to compare the amount of time we, we do take selfies versus spending time in the Lord's presence, that there could be a massive gap between the two and the balance could maybe be a little bit out of sync. I've got a suspicion that some of us will have to answer yes to that question. Now, the interesting thing is that even though the ladies seem to take most of the selfies, that more guys die from taking selfies than ladies. <laughs> more guys die from taking selfies than ladies. <laughs> The guys do crazy things like these two guys just go one slide back. This is up in Moscow somewhere. They're up on top of this building. And they're taking the south right from the top. Look how cool we are. Look what we've achieved. Ka-ching. All right. 
And so the shocking statistic is that apparently, you can go and check it out on the websites that look up these things, that more people die from taking selfies than from shark attacks. More people die per year from taking selfies than from shark attacks. Now, if you're a surfer and you're taking a selfie while you're surfing, you might be, you know, in a little bit of danger. So just be, just beware. <laughs> You've got both those things against you. But these are some crazy numbers, all right? You don't have to, this is not gospel truth, but just some crazy numbers. The number of, this is two, 2015 statistics. Um, apparently two people in that year died from vending machines. They kicked the machine, the machine fell on them. I don't know what happened there, all right? Eight people from shark attacks, American football, 12. Mount Everest, climbing Mount Everest, we know the 17. Skateboarding, 28. Selfies, 28. So again, if you're skateboarding while taking a selfie, I think you're asking for trouble. Bee wasps, things, you know, airplane crashes, and then erotic asphyxiation, the kind of nonsense being promoted by some of these movies going out. It's actually dangerous for you. Right, that is people having, having, having intercourse, making love while strangling themselves and cutting off the blood circulation. 500 What's that? 625 people died doing that. But the, 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 the lovely movies and, and all the stuff, they don't tell you that. They show you the fun. But that's where that kind of sin ends up. That kind of lust ends up. So, so the bottom line, guys, is this. That lifestyle, apart from the Word of God and the protection of the Word of God, it is dangerous. God has designed His Word not to spoil your fun, but to protect you and to nurture you. And as the song says, we've got to fix our eyes on Christ. We've got to fix our eyes on Christ. And I'm challenged by the little thing that, that seemed to rule our lives so often. But here's the, here's the beautiful thing. You know, when we think about selfies, and I just want you to sort of keep it in mind what you try and project normally when you take a selfie. It's rare that people take a selfie at the worst moment. Even though that's becoming a little bit of a norm as well, people are becoming more outgoing and more honest, and so they try and take shocking pictures as well. But mostly, the kind of stuff we put on Facebook, it's normally there to, to impress. It's, it's, it's there to sort of project a good image. But if we think about God's selfie, you know, the, the thing that if you were to look at would, would show you this is, this is who God is. And then we sang about it tonight. We sang about it, and, and it is found here in John 14, 7. And Jesus speaking, he says, If you had known me, Jesus, Jesus speaking here, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. In other words, Jesus there is saying that if you look at me, I am God's selfie, so to speak. If you want to know who God is, who God really is, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to be content uh, with what I say to you. You don't have to be content to what the next best, DVD in Kum says to you, or the next YouTube clip, or whatever. You don't have to look at me. You don't have to listen to my words. You can look at Jesus. You can look at, at Scripture. You can look at the Gospels. And as this writer, David Householder, from The Seven Secrets of a Meaningful Life says, Jesus is God's selfie. Jesus is God's selfie. If, 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 if there were to be a, a, a heavenly cell phone with a with a, a camera pointing backwards at God, he would take a photo of God and post it on the heavenly Instagram or Facebook, you would see Jesus there. And unlike most of the selfies which we take, which simply portray a little bit of, of, our, of our lives and the best and our best days, 
God isn't into deceiving anybody. God isn't into just giving us a little bit of, of him and hiding away the rest. He invites us into discovering him. But the selfie that he puts out there is a selfie of his heart. Jesus. And so my encouragement to all of us and even to us as a church movement, and I want to welcome the guys streaming in. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight. That, that, that I believe God is wanting to encourage us again to, to look away from some of the things we might have been focusing on for the last little while. And they're not bad things. I mean, it's not bad just thinking well of yourself. It's not bad taking photos and and having pictures with you and your family and your friends on there and sharing beautiful moments. It's not bad doing that. But before you know it, we can get so wrapped up in 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 this world that, that revolves around impressing other people, that revolves around projecting certain images, and we can just be focused upon ourselves. And again, if, if you were to walk out of here and you, you get into your dorm or you get into your, your room or into your car, it is rare that the devil will come next to you and say, hey, hey, just remember what you sensed in God's presence. Just remember, just, just remember how... How peaceful you felt, how joyous you felt, how hopeful you felt. No, no, he's going to push you into another lifestyle. He's going to push you into a cycle of competition or a cycle of, of trying to keep up with other people. He's going, to try, you try, he's going to try to get you to be self-focused and self-absorbed. And I believe God is just wanting to set us free from just thinking about ourselves too much. I think in general we think about ourselves way too much. Some of us think of ourselves too much, but I think others think of ourselves just too much. I had a funny conversation with a friend earlier today, and she said, you know, um, we spoke about this other couple, good friends of ours. We've prayed for them for years to fall pregnant, and finally they've fallen pregnant, and now they've, they've got their fourth child on the way, fourth boy. It's just not stopping. It's got something to do with some of the West, all right, that side, all right, there in the wild West. There's some stuff in the water there. And so she's pregnant again, and so it's with a third boy. They've got a girl, third boy, and, and so we were just talking about boys and discovered, you know, I've got two brothers, so we three boys in the house, and other friend, three brothers. My wife, she's part of a twin, she's got three brothers, and so this three-brother thing, you know, just sort of featured in the little circle where we were. And um, and, and then this, this friend said, yeah, she had her own room, and the three brothers had to share a room. Uh, so she was very blessed in that sense, but she said it didn't really help her too much, because her room was the only room with a, sort of a full-size mirror. And those three guys would go to the gym every day, and then come back into her room, and then spend hours in front of the mirror. It's looking, strutting this stuff, and, and she's like, you know, yeah, so she had a room, but she actually didn't have a room to herself, because like, the guys were there, just admiring themselves. <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's sort of an extreme picture, but again, I want to ask you, how much time do we spend looking at ourselves, at our circumstances, at our physical appearance, Versus how much time do we spend looking at Christ? Because who we look at and what we look at becomes our destination, becomes our aspiration, becomes what we long for, becomes what we strive for. And so my, my, my encouragement to us this, this evening is to fix our gaze on Jesus. And I want to I take you to a few selfies from Jesus' life. And walk you through one or two of them. But let me pray for us. Father, I'm going to thank you, God, for the incredible work that you are doing in this congregation. 
I want to thank you, Lord, that this congregation stands for so much, Lord, stands for a desire to please you above all else. And Father, we stand a long line of faithful men and women, Lord, who've, who've come before us. And we thank you that we can celebrate tonight, Lord God, your presence in this room, your presence that changes our lives, Lord, that transforms us. And that we can pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will continue to do what you've done every Sunday, week in and week out, to come and just bring about a transformation, God. Come and do what I could never do. Come and set free and heal and deliver. Come and be God in our midst, Lord, tonight. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for peace. Thank you for rest. In the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. John 5, verse 19 and 20. Let us read a few verses. So then Jesus answered. Now the then comes after the couple of things that happened before that. Jesus, Jesus healed a, a couple of people, one of them a lame man on the Sabbath. And the people got hugely upset with him, the religious people, and they, they wanted to kill him because he did that. And he forgave the guy's sins as well. And then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Nothing. Right? Jesus is saying this. He can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do. Now, of course, we understand that when, in the context of what Jesus is talking about here, Understanding has just come from healing somebody and forgiving their sins. He's talking here about things that make an eternal difference. Okay? He's talking here about things that shape and change people's lives. He's talking here about having a transgenerational impact. He's, he's, he's speaking here about having influence over people's lives. He's speaking here about accomplishing supernatural things. Because we all know that you can go to the bathroom by yourself and you can do a lot of stuff by yourself. Probably Jesus here is speaking about doing things that impact people's life, right? So don't get so spooky that, you, that you're like, I'm not going to do anything until Jesus tells me to do something. You know, I'm not going to get out there and just be human and make friends before Jesus tells me to do so. Just have a life, all right? He's speaking here about things of eternal significance. He's, I can do nothing. I can do nothing that makes a difference in the lives of people unless I see my father do that. For whatever he does, being the father, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these, healing this lame man, so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son, that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the Son doesn't honor the Father who sent him. I can do, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So if we were to have a, a heavenly selfie, the selfie number one of Jesus' life, I believe that we would have to take close notice of is this one. That Jesus was completely dependent upon the Father. That, that, that the Jesus selfies, selfies would have him looking at the Father. Jesus selfies would have him focused on the Father. He would be completely and utterly dependent upon his Father. And if that is Jesus selfie, and I were to turn the camera lens back at my life, the life of Heinrich, then I've got to ask myself, if I would, were to have snapshots of my day, how many of those selfies would have me looking at the Father? Would the selfies of my life be the selfie of Jesus' life? Because isn't that the whole idea of us being here on earth? And that is to become more like Christ. 
And so yes, Jesus, the Son of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, coming to the earth and saying that I'm not doing anything except which I see my Father doing. And I'm asking myself the question, am I this dependent upon God? Am I, Heinrich, this dependent upon Am I still looking to him or have I become comfortable with what I know about him? But my experience and the stuff that I've, I've learned, or am I pressing in to see more of the Father? Am I pressing in to discover more of who he is? Am I in awe of him still in his presence? Is he still what brings the greatest joy to my eyes? And you know, there's an easy gauge for us because we can sing about this. And the beautiful thing about that song we just sang, it's such a beautiful song, it's such a powerful one, and it ushers us into God's presence. But you guys, guess what? You can sing that song this Sunday and the next Sunday and the Sunday after that, but unless between Sunday and Sunday you turn your gaze upon Jesus, the song won't mean too much to you except make you feel good in the moment. And then we bluff ourselves. And we sing nice songs and it's wonderful and the presence of God is there. But that song is just supposed to, to excite our hearts and draw us deeper into Christ. And so the selfie of your prayer life really shows you whether you are really looking at Father God or not. And so would the selfie of your, your life find you looking at Christ in prayer and in the word? I mean, only you can answer that question. Only I can answer that question, and my wife and my kids probably as well at home. So if you were to take a selfie of your prayer life, what would it show? Some of you maybe need to get practical this week. You don't have to post it anywhere. But for your own personal point of contact, get down on your knees before God and take a selfie. Just for your own personal frame of reference. Say, this is who I am. This is me, man on my knees in front of God. This is who I want to be. Print it, put it up against your wall, put it against your dashboard of your car. This is who I want to be. This isn't me on the stage, this is what I do, and it flows out of my time with God. I pray and I hope. But you know, I can bluff you, I can, I can do a lot of things, but it's what happens in just where there's nobody else. I love what John Maxwell said many, many years ago. I heard him say, Reputation is what people say of you in front of other people. Character is what the angels say of you around the throne of God. And so selfies, true selfies, really speak about not reputation, but about character. So what is, what is that selfie that you can take this, this week just in your prayer life? And some of you just need to make a start. Don't try, you know, sometimes you've got this image of of, of, of Faith the giants praying for hours on end. And maybe you're setting the, the bar too high. Just go for five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. And then talking to Jesus during the rest of your day. But start somewhere. Start somewhere. Okay, so what does the mirror of your prayer life say about you? Then the second selfie from Jesus is that we see that Jesus trusted the Father's love for him more than any human beings. He trusted the Father's love. Verse 20 says, for the Father loves the Son. I I just love this boldness, this humble boldness about Jesus. You're standing in front of people. They're coming against him. They wanted to kill him. He says, my daddy loves me. 
my daddy loves me. It says, the father loves the son. My daddy loves me. Take this selfie world. I am loved by God. <laughs> Here stands a man loved by God. Post that. <laughs> he loves you. And it, like we heard, Esti say, it's got nothing to do with what you've done this week. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Take that selfie, print that one, get that into your brain. He loves you. Without you having done anything to earn that. And so, and so a question I ask me whether that's my reality is, whose voice defines me? Because there were guys there saying, he's blaspheming. Remember Jesus? Jesus came to give glory to the Father. It's what he lived for. He wanted to please the Father. He wanted people to fall in love with the Father. And now people are shouting at him, you are blaspheming against God. They're attacking him in the very area of his greatest passion. Because he wanted to hallow God's name. He wanted people to fall in love with God. And now they're accusing him and saying, you're leading people away from God. You're a blasphemer. If you don't know that your father loves you, accusations and words like that can destroy you. You will always have people disagreeing with you. You will always have people saying things about you. You will always have people trying to shape you and mold you into their image of you. And the only way you can stand against it is by knowing that the father loves me. Not by trying to prove them wrong. I've had many people say many things about me. Trying to label me culturally or in whatever way, shape, or form. And I say, I defy your boxes. <laughs> I defy your boxes. I will not be defined by anything except this one thing. My father loves me. That defines me. And the way you know that is whose voice determines how you feel about yourself. For me, in my marriage, it was, it was, it was a, a growth experience. And I began to discover that there are moments when, when my wife's voice means so much to me, in actual fact, too much. I've got to go back to God. Say, God, I've got to take my gaze off her. I've got to put my gaze on you. I've got to put my gaze on you. I've got to, you've got to be the one that defines me. And then out of that place, I can actually communicate with her a lot better. Instead of getting defensive around her when she speaks into my life and then, you know, or sulk or whatever. And then the Father loves me, and then we can have the difficult conversations because He loves me. Here's my second question I normally ask myself around this. What goes on in my heart when I don't get what I want? When you do not get what you want, what goes on in your heart? Not what do you sing from the stage? What do you tell the people when they ask you? And you say, no, it's blessed, I'm well, awesome, Jesus is good. What goes on in your heart? When you do not get what you want. When the relationship falls apart, the car gets smashed, the phone gets stolen, the breakthrough doesn't come, you flunk the subject. What goes on in your heart? That shows you the extent to which you still need the Father's love. I've had moments like that when things didn't work out in my life and I realized I need a greater revelation of God's love here. I need to understand that His love for me hasn't changed. And he's going to make all of these things work together for good. Some of you are going through some disappointments in your life. Things that you've done that you regret. What other people have done. Allow your heart to fix itself on Jesus. And God's love for you. The third selfie. I believe that we have to look at in Jesus' life. 
It comes from John 2 verse, well, it's actually part of that second one. Jesus in, the, in, in Jerusalem at, at the Passover during the feast and many people believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did, right? So here's the opposite. The first example is people saying, you're blasphemer, get, get out of here. You are leading people astray from God. And Jesus said, my father loves me. He loves me. And here again, he's doing miracles and people in their, in their hundreds and thousands, they all excited about him. They say, yeah, this is the man. He's the next best thing, the most likely to succeed. We can see him just upward trajectory. He's going to change his community. He's going to, we can see him being successful. Look at what it says there. But Jesus did not commit himself to them. In other words, he didn't give his identity over into their hands. He didn't commit himself to them. He understood that people's disagreement and the accusations and the criticisms mean as little to him as do their praise. He wasn't defined by their rejection or by their approval. He wasn't defined by their rejection or by their approval. He was defined by his father's love. And if you think about the reason why so many people put selfies up there, it is normally wrapped up in those things. I want somebody to accept me because they see I'm so adventurous, I'm so brave, I'm so beautiful. I want to prove somebody else wrong and show them how much they're missing out now because look how beautiful I've become, how strong, how muscular, how successful I have become. And Jesus says, now, stay away from those selfies. Stay away from them. People will reject you, people will accept you. That shouldn't shape your identity. The Father loves you. That's a selfie you carry with you. The third one is Jesus imitated the Father. Right, John 5, 20, again, Jesus says that it shows whatever the Father does, the Son does. Jesus imitated the Father. He was, he was, he was constantly looking to his Father. And it's an easy thing to think of and to think that you know it. But for myself, I had to ask myself the question, who am I imitating? Am I imitating Christ? And I thank God that I had a a wonderful godly father in my life. A physical father was there for me and showcased me Christ. But you know, even as amazing as he was, I cannot base my entire life on him. I can't base everything that I am and, and how I look at God and how I view God just based on him. Because as awesome as he was, he's still just human. I have to have a higher standard than the people around me. So my question is, who shapes your perspective of God? Who shapes your perspective of God? It is such a privilege and such an honor to have people around us that can speak into our lives. But who are you imitating? I mean, really think about it and not just listen to it, but think about it. Who are you imitating around your Christian walk? Who shows you? what a son or a daughter of God must be like. Where do you get most of your tips from? Because you know, sometimes we go in this Christian walk almost from tip to tip. Sunday's like a buffet of tips, you know? Here's 10 tips for you to have a better life, 10 tips to be more joyous, 10 tips to be more peaceful. Take three if you don't like the other seven. And we use Sundays to help us to grow, and that's good, that's fine. But it's not enough. 
Because you can't base it on, on the worship or on the preacher. You've got to base it upon the fullness of Jesus Christ. Are you imitating Christ? That means you've got to go and discover him. Yeah, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> you've got to go and spend time with him. Yeah. And it's not going to come just from 60 minutes, 80 or 90 minutes or two hours on a good Sunday in church. Is there any excuse for you or for me not to be imitating Christ when we have the Word in the Holy Spirit? Thank God for men and for women who have impacted our lives. Thank God for them. And imitate them as they imitate Christ. Honor them and bless them. And thank God for your small group facilitators all around you and your moms and dads at homes. Bless them. But keep your eyes fixed upon Christ. See us many years ago said something so powerful in Bible school. He says, if my, relations, if my revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ today isn't different from what it was this time last year, then I need to take time out and get back to Christ. Because it is that revelation that shapes my life. The revelation opens my eyes to see him, and to be drawn to him. So my prayer to you guys is this. You're in a beautiful time of your life, three years, four years, some maybe a little bit longer you're going to spend here due to various reasons. Maximize this time. Get involved with everything that you can, but not at the expense of spending time with the word of God. Not at the expense of spending time with the Word of God. If you are too busy with church stuff to get to the Word of God, then you are too busy. You've got to cut some things and get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. It's going to be the Word of God that enables you one day when you're in that heated battle with your wife to make a quality decision. When you're in the boardroom and you've got to decide whether you're going to go left with those who want to take the company into a different direction or take the godly route and lose some money, it's going to be the Word of God. It's going to sustain you. Not the tips that we move from from time to time. Selfie number four, which I believe can teach us a lot, is that Jesus had confidence regarding the future. And we in our nation need that confidence, don't we? It's amazing how much more confident people feel today than a month or so ago before change in government. And that's obviously, that's wonderful, it's great. But I think it's insufficient to base your confidence upon who is in government and who isn't. Jesus had his confidence regarding the future based around the fact that he had confidence in his father. Right? He says that, that the father will show the son greater works than these that you may marvel. In other words, he's saying to them, greater things are yet to come. He's there, he's, he's facing their opposition, he's facing their hatred, he's facing them wanting to stone him. And he says, and the father will still show me greater things. Greater things. I told you the story a couple of times, but me, myself, me, myself, and I, being in a situation where I was surrounded by, by three young men wanting to take my life while I was, while I was running through, through Altis River. In that moment, it was that revelation God gave me that, that my life isn't done yet. God isn't finished with my life yet. I just knew it. In my spirit, even though my mouth went dry and my knees went a little bit like that when I looked at the gun and the knife, you know. But my spirit knew it. It wasn't my time to go. My, my confidence was based in the future. I remember growing up in the 80s and things were tough, apartheid-wise and so forth. But never once did I hear my mom and my dad be negative about government. 
Not once. Why? Because they had a confidence and a hope in a God that was greater than government policies of apartheid. Greater. So much greater. And they could live out of that confidence. Because their confidence wasn't in the government of the day. It was in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus' selfie showed that greater things are yet to come. You need to take a selfie of yourself with Romans 8.28. God makes all things work together for good of those who love him called according to his purposes. And you've got to have that ingrained in your heart and in your mind. You need to go home and say to yourself, greater things, Peter, Sarah, Joe, Vuyo, greater things are yet to come. The Father isn't done with me yet. He isn't done with me yet. He's still busy molding me and shaping me and preparing me and launching me. Working in me and working through me. And I'm going to say that till I'm 89, not out, and going to be with Jesus whenever. The Father isn't done with me yet. Still working. Greater things are yet to come. Amen? Then we're almost done. Selfie number five. Jesus had the Father's mission. Now John 5, 21 says, For as the Father, look at this, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them. As the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. So my mission is this. My mission is I'm on a head on confrontation with death. Because I see the Father destroying death. I see the Father opposing death. I see the Father bringing life out of death. And that's why I'm busy raising beautiful things out of death. The Father's mission was Jesus' mission. And so I've got to ask myself constantly the question, even now, having the privilege of serving this movement in, in, this, in this way, am I on the Father's mission? When there are many things that I have to contend with and many things that I need to do and decide on, am I on the Father's mission or am I following my own mission? Am I on the Father's mission? And the Father's mission is to destroy the works of the evil one. I'm always amazed at how many people get lost in the discussion around purpose and destiny. What's my purpose? When will I? How will I? I'm like, it's pretty clear in Scripture what your purpose is. Your, your, your purpose is to be a, a, a wrecking ball for heaven. Wherever you see darkness, to destroy it. Through the will of the Father. The power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that means that you, you just do something in the Spirit. It means you don't confront people. You just pray for them, you pray for them, you pray for them, you pray for them. Sometimes it means you take somebody out and you, you speak to them and you encourage them. But you need to spend time with your Heavenly Father to find out. But have your hand do what it finds to do. Now, right now, again, spoke to somebody yesterday, said they would love one day to, to adopt some kids. They're not, they're not married yet. One day. Say, so you don't have to wait for one day. You're an educated young man. You've come from a poor background. You can inspire somebody today. You can connect with somebody today and inspire them and mentor them. Don't wait for one day. If you live with your life for the one day, one day will simply remain one day. One day when I'm finished with my studies, one day when I have the wife, one day when I have the kids. No, 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 no. The Father's mission is to destroy death and to bring forth life. And you can join him in that mission. And tied to that, Jesus lived for the Father's will. And do, do I, do I, and so the question is, do I seek the Father's will for family, for my calling, for church, for community? Do I seek His will? Do I seek it? I, I'm amazed that Jesus, 
seeking his father's will. You know, I would think Jesus would be born with a supernatural download inside of his spirit and he would just automatically know the father's will. But it's clear from scripture, Jesus often went aside to spend time with God to find his will. And if Jesus had to spend time with Father God to find his will, to seek his will, surely much more for me. And so I've discovered that the best time to start seeking God's will for me, for something I'm hoping for in the future is to start now. That's why I started praying for my wife when I was in standard nine, grade 11. Got married when I was 28. But, but by the time I got married to her, I'd spent years praying for her. Years. Started reading up on how to be a good husband because I knew God had told me to be a good husband and to be a good dad. So started reading up on it. Hanging around people that were good at it. So you've got to start now. Don't wait. Don't be passive. Don't be passive. Have selfish taken of you actively pursuing the will of God. If you think you're going to be a businessman, they're going to, they're going to bring in finances for the kingdom of God. You've got to be at that course. You've got to be there. You've got to, you've got to get into cycles and rhythms of giving, standing in faith, giving a little bit of the finances you do have so you can get into those rhythms. If you want to be a man that's faithful and true to the ethos of your company one day, then you've got to be a man of your word today, not lie to your friends. Be faithful now if you want to be faithful one day when you have the big corporate company. You've got to take selfies of you continuously seeking the Father's will. And then with my five minutes left, let me do the, the last one. We look at Jesus' life, and in Jesus' life we can see a selfie of the Father's heart. Here's the glorious, beautiful, scary truth. That with all of those billions of selfies being taken, that it is God's desire that when the world takes a photo of us or we take a selfie of ourselves, that they would actually see not us, but see a little bit of God in that selfie. So it is selfie time. It is time to make peace with this fact. In Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image. Hey, you go. Let us make man in our image. It was God's idea according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In other words, if you were to take a photo of man, you were supposed to see something of God reflected there in God's nature. God's nature, God dwelling in community, spirit, soul, and body. The, 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 the world's supposed to look at man and see something of God. In his likeness, not like him, but in his likeness. Reflecting him, his image, the word there is the word icon. Like he would click on an icon and open up into the reality. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. And we know he made us out of mud. And so I know that for most of us, if if we were to take selfies of our hearts and our thoughts and our, our inner worlds, we would probably not be too confident to put those selfies up on Instagram and Facebook. You know, that's okay. Because God doesn't dwell in the world of Facebook. He knows what's going on there. (laughs) I'm surprised how often believers would put things on there. I'm like, don't you know your pastor is your Facebook friend? And he will see this. And, you know, this is like, thank you for being this honest. But, you know, it's like, wow, interesting. But God... Doesn't dwell in that world. He, he lives in the world 
of the heart. He lives in the world of the inner, the inner being. You know what? He enters that world not with judgment, but with mercy. He enters that world with mercy. And he invites us in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 8. Do what Paul says. He says, and we who with unveiled faces, we can have the band to come up, please. If we, or and we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his image with intensifying glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He says, with, with unveiled faces reflect the glory of God as we look into his into his glory, into his presence. As we look at him, we begin to reflect him. The only way you can begin to become more like Jesus, sound more like him, do more like him, isn't by running after course, course after course, and doing more, getting up from here and saying, oh, that was a good sermon, hopefully. I'm going to do and apply everything, Heinrich said. The way you're going to start reflecting him is by looking at him. It's by looking at him. And then he comes and he does the change. I found that the the more I rest and stop trying to fix myself even. You know, we know what John the Baptist said. We misquote that verse most often. We say, I must decrease so that he can increase. The words are correct, but the order is wrong. John said he must increase. I must decrease. So the focus isn't on me cutting down on myself, chopping something off. The focus is on focusing more on him. And as I get more of him, teeny weeny little me becomes insignificant. Falls by the wayside. As I focus on him. As I turn my gaze to him. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.